Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. for the A7FL 3-on-1 podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Matt Ryan. And as always, I am joined by the man that blocks the line multiple times, A7FL champion, big Rob Fabian. And also, he's my quarterback, and you already know who it is. It is Corey Hammond. Gentlemen, another week here on the pod, and another week where, after the show, phones are blowing up, conversations are being had. For the last 18 weeks... The A7FL has been completely dialed into what's been said on this show. And I have to say, it's it's interesting how fast news travels in this league. Because, Rob, you can attest to it. Corey, you certainly can attest to it. This podcast has resonated with a lot of the players and longtime fans of this league and it's interesting just to see how this is used as an information funnel when we are about five months or less than four months away now from opening week of the ninth season. Well, and we talked about it earlier in one of the, the, the first or second or third podcasts is that with the type of offseason we're having and expected back then, but then it, it came true. I don't think it's ever been a busier offseason for the A7FL with the new teams, the new divisions, movement, uh, movement from state to state, which is a which is a first, guys. Yeah, it's huge. And then the beginning of the budding rivalries in some of the divisions, because you know, credit credit the the other side of the ball for for getting uh you know their voice out there, and credit to Woody Ness Charles in Florida doing his parlay stuff for A7FL Florida, kind of getting the, the, the regional, you know, local, you know, you know, sports talk show type of coverage to those divisions that are, are growing, getting more attention. But what, what those guys did is made it so that this isn't just a Northeast league where it's Jersey, it's Baltimore. And then it's, it's the, it's the, out of state, you know, guest appearance, and then we send them packing with a, you know, a seventy or an eighty burger. This is now a nationwide league that the entire country of the United States is paying attention to. And from what we hear from guys like David Isaacs, who are pretty high up, you know, David Meltzer, who is rubbing elbows with guys like Warren Moon, A seven FL is something to talk about. Very true, and I think it's just going to keep growing from here. When you have guys like um, Woody Ness Charles, I, I'm seeing what these guys in Florida like. These guys in Florida like attention. They like the they like the attention that the league can bring to them. Their skill set, what they you know what they're good at. These guys are fast. These guys are strong. 
These guys have been playing football since they were five years old. The A7 is just another opportunity for these guys to showcase their skills on a much higher level and really get some national, you know, spotlight for it. Like they really, you know, they can get noticed for it. So kudos to Woody, pause, for doing that. Um, yeah, kudos to Woody, pause. Yeah, and we could talk about the power of of the A7FL social media too. The the video of Kason Campbell that features our commentary and uh, Rob being memorialized forever. Uh, damn. Damn. Uh, I don't even think I could do that again, if I'm being honest with you. That damn was just... It was was perfect. Yeah, that was real. That was very real. Shout out to... That damn wasn't said. It was summoned. Yeah. That that move summoned the damn from very deep within within Rob. It was some Shao Kahn shit. I think it was a spiritual damn that everybody felt when they were watching it, so... I kind of said it for the world, right? Yeah, God God bless someone on that play, and God definitely ruined someone's life for about, like, five seconds on that play. But that view across our social media, on on Instagram alone, it's 8.5 million views as of now. And it's over 10 million views combined. It ended up with our happy asses on SportsCenter, uh, ESPN's Get Up. We, We did an entire episode where we patted ourselves on the back for a solid 45 minutes for that, and I'm proud of us for that. Um, but it's afforded Kaysan Campbell opportunities, and I'd like to say that unlike other leagues, when we announce our schedule for 2023, it won't feel like a press conference following an election. Um, it'll actually be exciting and invigorating and showcase the best parts of our league, which are our players and our personalities, and not uh, coaches who have not won anything ever. Um, but that's just me. Uh, I, I, I'm making enemies here, but I, I digress. Not, not, not as many uh, as some of us. Yeah, it's not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> so what I think is cool too, Rob, is, is as we're kind of recapping where we've been and kind of where we're going, Rob can attest to this. The early days of A7FL, what we call town beef, one of the best parts of the game and, and why it was such a what it, it kept bringing guys back every week was the rivalries and the 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 battles that happened before and after the games verbally, uh, you know, obviously legally and nothing crazy. Um, that's also not necessarily 100 percent true. But, you know, we'll do the, we'll do the we'll do the history show, guys, when uh, when we're all we're, we already get the solid gold boats. But uh <laughs> Before those boats arrive and dock, part of the fun of the A7FL was the shit talk. It was BIC versus the U. It was the Chiefs versus Savage. It was Olay talking shit about McQueen and putting Facebook memes up on the the personal Facebook New Jersey page. What What the podcast guys... What, what the podcast guys has become and what I love and what I'm maybe even, you know, been totally 100% responsible for at times is that we're starting to, to poke some of those fires in some of these other divisions. And we, we were talking last week to Rashad Davis and hopefully, you know, we, we encrypted the Zoom call this week so that we don't get any more droppings because that was ridiculous. But when we talked to Rashad Davis, you know, he's he's prodding the fire you know, trying to trying to spark some shit with Florida and Vegas. We talked to we talked to Pac-Man Jones, and we pushed him into a corner to get him to talk about specifically Rashad Davis coming to his division, and he said it was his division. 
And he's not, he's going to share maybe the seat on a podcast, but he's not worried about anybody in Vegas. And then when we talk to the Florida guys, you know, that, that surgence of talent and, you know, maybe the, the getting on the same page that, that they keep threatening, you know, Florida's ready to take on the world as well. So I think what the pod has done is opened up this national league to some national shit talk. And I can't wait to see some of these interleague matchups, guys, because there's going to be some juice behind it more than just they want to win. Because some of these guys, I think they want to embarrass. They want to they want to be on TV. Getting those getting those bragging rights more importantly than just the dubs and the yards. And I think that. Oh, go ahead, Rob. No, I was was just going to say quickly that I think it goes back to that attention in the that whole notoriety that you get from being on such a grand stage. And if you can kick someone's ass who's been talking shit about you for the better part of, you know, six months of the off season, if you kick their ass on TV, I think that makes you feel better going into the next season. So, I, I mean, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving, I'm loving how it's developing. Would you guys say this is evolving into a completely new era of what we knew as town beef? Because, to, to give a little groundwork, the A7FL has been around for eight seasons. We're entering our ninth. But before the A7FL, much like when the NFL was the Professional Football League of America or some, something along those lines early on, there was Town Beef. And Town Beef was literally, we got our best players from every single town in New Jersey and in Maryland. We're showing up here. We're going to try to avoid the cops. We're going to beat the shit out of each other and we're going to prove which town is better. And I think that now with the A7FL growing and these rivalries between Florida and Maryland, I I think that rare breed Nightcrawlers rivalry will become one of the defining rivalries in our league. And that's a playoff rematch that to me screams national final four championship semifinal that could be the biggest game of the year. But then you have BIC in the Snow Tribe against Vegas. You have Columbus coming into play in a natural rivalry with Cincinnati, which is right just down the road. You have DC in Maryland. Now we have two D we're gonna have two DC teams, two Maryland and the Maryland teams in 2023. You have Boston coming in for the first season this year. There's a lot of stuff at play. I'm hearing rumors about where we might end up in 2024, and I'm excited because this is going to be the groundwork for some of the best rivalries in football. We all grew up with the NFC East being the NFC East, the AFC East being the AFC East. Those NFC North black and blue division matchups, even if the Lions were like 0-300, they would play every team in that division like it was the Super Bowl because it was the best games they would have all year, but... I think we're starting to see that, and I think it's going to bring the best out of these players. Like, we saw how good the BIC could be when they played against the U. But they showed something different and something special against the Force because they knew what they were getting with the U. They didn't know what they were getting with the Force. And after all the shit talk, after all the back and forth, after all the the Twitter space and Twitter reply nonsense, it turned into one of the best performances we've seen from a team. And this is the same year they put 80 on somebody's head. 
And I appreciate you not saying who it was. Well, we all we I already know who I it is. It. I said it. You know that. You already know. That's my sad. You already know. Like when Rob said he wasn't playing for the Snow Tribe next year. You already <laughs> know. But I think I think that speaks to kind of the evolution. And when you talk, Matt, about you know the this is a new era for some of these for some of these divisions, especially because. We talk about how New Jersey and Baltimore have been playing this game for a long time. And we talk about how the new divisions haven't. And they're going to catch up. And, you know, we talk about uh, the last couple of weeks, a big topic is, has been about Florida. Whether we t- we're talking about Buck and we were specifically talking about the Nightcrawlers because that was a big topic. Or we were talking to guys that are still in the Florida division or were and are now in Vegas. We're talking about a lot of, of up-and-coming expectations for these divisions but one of the one of the things that we haven't heard a lot from guys one of the divisions we really it's been mostly quiet and i kind of like that and this might be my hot take for the episode we're not really hearing a lot of talk from ohio and you know talk is nice and obviously as the hosts of these podcasts and maybe the, the person in the a7fl that talks the most in myself um talking is a good thing but in football, especially when it comes down to, you know, the, what the result is going to be on the field, talking can only go so far. And Vegas, they started their own podcast because they wanted to be part of the talking points. And Florida has made sure, and, you know, you guys can attest to this with the uh, direct messages that we receive either pre or post shows, is that Florida is trying to get involved in the conversation as well. But I'll ask you guys this, who, of, the, of the new divisions that we've seen and just mentioned, who, who played the toughest brand, the, the most physical brand of football, in your guys' opinion? I think that's an easy answer, man. I think that's Florida without a doubt. Um, I just think outside of what we know up here in the Northeast that, you know, it's hard-nosed here. It's, it's this. It's fast. It's organized. It's constructed. These guys are vets. been playing this game for years. They pretty much wrote the, the book on how to play A7. Um, Florida, once they catch on to what's going on, we can see how dangerous their guys can be and how hard those guys can hit and how fast they are. And and once they, once again, once certain people make certain phone calls, they'll be bringing these guys who who look kind of scary from, you know what I'm saying, from the outside. They, they're going to be very scary. They're going to be tough to deal with. And as of right now, everybody's on an even playing field. But with Florida... I said it before, I'm going to keep saying it. When Florida actually figures it out and picks it up, it's a whole new ball game. Well, I think from especially Deontay Henderson, we always talk about him because, you know, the 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 hit that he put on, on Buck was just something, you know. It was it, in the, it was the it was the top tackle in our top seven tackles of the year, which is available. In, now in, in the month that just passed us in October, it was uh it was part of spooky season. I mean, there's <laughs> there's Jason, there's Freddy Krueger, and then there's Deontay Henderson snatching a stole out of Buck on on one of the cleanest, best form, and then also destructive tackles you could see in any brand of football, especially in a, a, a no pads contact league like you know, unfortunately Buck found out um that day. Uh and and he's a tough guy. And they have players. And I think what you're saying, Rob, is is the toughest games that we're going to see 
these established divisions playing might be against the Florida talent. But I was I was really more talking about the brand of football that I, these divisions are bringing because because I'll, I'll let Matt go because what I'm talking about is who who just showed up and didn't bring speed or you know athleticism or better talent but who showed up and was just punching people in the mouth that was my question. I think it was uh I think it was Colum- it was Cincinnati they they had the toughest schedule in terms of travel. They had to, they played a completely different style of football than almost every other team in the league. I think them in Vegas, because they had the toughest road ahead of them. Maryland, Florida, and New Jersey, and LA play, you know, most of, you know, some of those LA teams, some of those players were there in 2021. They knew the score for Vegas and for Cincinnati. They had to learn everything. They had to pick up every aspect of their their game, and they had to learn how to do it in real time. And I think that that gave them in a disadvantage this year. But next year, they know how what from their style worked and what to change. Like Seth Chambers, he had one of the best seasons of a non-Jersey or Maryland player I think we've seen in just in just little performances. He 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 was able to play on both sides of the ball with a tenacity and a ferocity that to from what I know got him in conversation with other divisions about playing there. And that's another thing that this podcast has provided is we have our own free agency period. It runs from right, right. literally the end of the day after the championship game all the way up basically to opening day. And we've been able to understand the philosophy of a lot of these teams and get into the minutia of why they pick the players they pick. And I think we're the only podcast in football where the best players in the league were the most open players in the league. Like we had Sterry Codrington on and he gave one of the most blunt conversations and one of the most, you know, controversial, I'd say, in the early days of the show, like episode 19, so it's not like we're, you know, changing the world or anything. We've been on the air for three years, but his assessment of of Ashante and how his team performed and some of the things in an undefeated championship season, you don't get that from other athletes. And I think that's one of the great things about this league is that we're a no-bullshit league. Yeah, and and bringing it back to a guy like Seth Chambers, who, you know, you were talking about his opportunities that, you know, he was potentially afforded because of what he was able to put on tape as a player. He kind of embodies what I think the Ohio division is about. You know, when we talked to Seth Chambers, that was just a, a football guy. Like, he woke up in the morning, and if he had to go to work, he had to go to work, but as soon as he was done with work, I'm sure he was getting home to either play Madden or go to the gym or go to the field. And that's the kind of guys that play in this league. You know, it, it's a different type of guy. You know, there's there's flag leagues for guys that want to stay in shape and, and put some highlights on Facebook, but they don't have to make the commitment of actually putting their body on the line. They can do all those little cute and fancy flag moves where they're they're bending over and dipping and, and you know, you know, twerking their body weird. And you could say pause, but you don't have to because maybe they don't want it paused in those types of situations if we want to go there. But 
for me, my hot take is that the Ohio division, based on the physicality that I saw them bring, we're going to see some of those Ohio talent guys filter in like we saw from year one to year two. Of course. In Florida, of course. right? And then what we're expecting is, is year one to year two in the Vegas and year two to year three in the L.A. and California divisions. And what I think would be interesting is Matt was t- talking about this in last week's episode is when we talk about the West playoffs, we have these, these different styles, these different divisions. And one of the reasons that I think the force were able to kind of take control of the Vegas division is because defense and running game, they kind of travel. And not only do they travel around the country when you're playing in a national league, but they also, they also can easily be converted you know, in, in a relatively quick manner from the type of football that Coach Mack over there for the force was used to and what he had to implement in a seven-on-seven full-contact league that he was still learning. So the force had a leg up with that, you know, that very easily, you know, transmutable type of – sorry, I was just watching Full Metal Alchemist, so I, I was, I'm doing some transmutation stuff Using here. Using polysyllabic words and shit. But the point is, is that Ohio, I saw them be tough. Now, are they good yet? I don't know. I, th- I think they got a lot to learn. And I'm not saying they're trash. But you know what? In the A7FL, if you could show up week in and week out and punch the team across from you in the mouth, you're going you're gonna to surprise some people that you, you maybe you shouldn't be in a game against, that if you're more physical than they're willing to be, that's a, that's a pretty good equalizer. So that's one of the things that I think, you know, Vegas is talking, and kudos to the other side of the ball, to Derek Duncan. They have a new co-host that might be coming in. Maybe we'll learn his name. And then there's another guy. I think I'm forgetting him. Maybe if he talks more, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to mention him on our podcast. And they're doing a great job over there kind of keeping their, their side of the ball represented. Florida's getting their chance to talk, and I think they're going to keep bothering us until we let them back on to even <laughs> spill some more tea. And shout out to Nicolaimo over there. Shout out to all the teams over there. Uh, I, I got my eyes on you, Joey Bate. Let's see what you got as the quarterback for the Ghosts. Um, he, he's an interesting guy, and I think we might be hearing from him in the next couple of weeks. But long story short, those guys are ready to talk. And I think if 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 my intuition serves me right, the fact that Ohio is is not talking means that they're likely doing the opposite, which is working. And I would be ready if I was the West to take on a revamped Ohio division. I think that's a great take. You know, I think that's one of your better takes on this show, period. Um, Ohio's quiet, and it really must mean that they're working. I, well, I really like that take. When we talked to Seth Chambers, he said that they were practicing, they were doing all the things, and also there were some issues. Ohio, you know, Cincinnati will have four teams this year. Columbus will have two. This is going to be a real interesting challenge for them. And I think that Cincinnati will have representation in the playoffs. Um, Whether or not they're a one seed, a four seed, or a wild card is a completely, you know, if they have to end up in a play-in game situation. But if we were looking at, you know, the, the five, six best team, four best teams from each side of the country. I think that we're going to end up with the 
the U, the BIC, the rare breed, the night crawlers, and well, I think on the other side of the country, we're going to end up seeing Cincinnati. You know, I think we're going to see the the heist in there again, and it's not a sled on the QC crush, but I just think Seth Chambers might be able to get them to a division championship. And then I think we're going to see the Force. We're going to see the LA Aces. And we're going to see a team from Reno, because remember, Reno's starting this year. So we're going to see more teams out of Nevada. And we're going to see more of these teams nationally. Um, Right now, it seems like we'll be seeing games from different sides of the country. And I'm excited to finally see and call these games. Because there's going to be so many different players that we witness and experience for the first time. And I think that's one of the fun parts of the job because we got to experience the rise of Ashante Worthy over the last three seasons. Rob, you played against him for two of them. But like watching Verardi, watching Columbia, watching these players rise or also finding second lives or new or, you know, second acts in the league like a Courage Mosey this season making the move from being the primary running back to switching to tight end because that was best for his team. And there's so many different questions heading into this season regarding starting quarterbacks. Like, is this the most buzz we've had? No, pardon the pun. Sorry, DC. Um, that we've had heading into a season since since you guys have been a part of the league. Um. On this scale, on, on this scale, like on a national scale, 100%, because usually it would be New Jersey buzzing, um, PA buzzing, Baltimore buzzing, but we have Florida buzzing. We still have New Jersey buzzing. We still have Baltimore buzzing. It, it just, and then let's not forget the West Coast. Like the West Coast isn't doing this shit quietly at all. So they're definitely buzzing. So honestly, um, this might be, on, on a grander scale, this might be the most hype for any season that I've seen in A7FL. You know, the question, can Sterry do it again? Can these guys, you know, it's it's a bunch of questions. And this might be the most buzz, honestly. It might be. What do you guys think is the, the, the most exciting, budding rivalry that we've discovered in the, in the past couple of weeks? Because we've had, we've had a lot of conversation, whether it's back and forth with the three-on-one, or it's our guests coming on to basically argue with guests that were on previously, or to be honest, me arguing with the guests that we bring on myself. Um, what is your budding rivalry that you're looking forward to next season that you hope we, you know, can somehow figure out a way to get on the schedule? Um, um, I wouldn't Jinx. call it a budding rivalry. But I know we're going to talk about it so much that we have to see the game. Um, you know, rare breed versus nightcrawlers. Yeah, honestly, that, that's that's just my quick pick. But you know, there's tons of other ones. Like I don't want to steal anyone's pick, but I know for a fact the interstate or intercoast rivalry between you know the guys that just went to Florida and the Vegas guys is going to be pretty big as well. Yeah, I think that Florida, Vegas versus pretty much every division on the East Coast, except Baltimore. Weirdly enough, Baltimore and Nevada don't have beef. And this is not a slight on my Jersey friends uh, and the players in New Jersey. But 
in terms of the amount of shit talk that has bounced back and forth in this league, Nevada has come up quick in being some of the longest CVS receipts we've seen in eight seasons of this league. New Jersey has been playing it kind of cool because they've been controlling and running the league since almost its inception. Baltimore, though, their CVS receipts, whether it's a player, whether it's RTU, who's a player and a journalist, or if it's Ike from Maryland, who's done some commentary for the A7FL in Baltimore and worked with me that's, in the past. That's a, that's a stretch, though. Well, what you just said was a little bit of a stretch there. I, anyway. No comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to see Baltimore and Vegas not shit talk is very interesting. Because I feel like if those two, te- those two, like if the rare breed played the the force, or if the Gators played the force, it would be a forever war. Because neither side, and I say this lovingly, would never stop talking shit about the other. It would never they end. They haven't run into each other. And That's I'm hoping that the league can change that. Next well, here's the but. thing. What happens if we end up with a Baltimore-Nevada championship? Mm-hmm. Rob, oh, Rob will retire likely. He, yeah, he, he, he will say, I know nothing about this league. Yeah, I I step, no, he, would, he wouldn't do that because that is there is a chance, hypothetically, that no, the force, sure. for instance, for sure. could make it through the West. And the rare breed, you know, according to their quarterback, he's the best player and the best play caller and the best quarterback in the league. So they honestly should be com- considered the favorites if you go by that logic. Right, but, for sure. Um, what I think is interesting is, is that of the places that you would think <laughs> would leave, you know, would leave Vegas out of it, I don't know if I would say that the – the 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 Maryland region would be who I expected. I guess Maryland's just really focused on themselves, kind of getting their own teams right. Because we were just talking even before the show, like some Maryland moves that are just kind of like whispers at this point that you know maybe we'll report on in later weeks. But we've been talking a lot about you know Buck and all of the things that go around the the quarterback position of the rare breed and how the shuffle that we were hypothetically thinking of, according to RT, which he unfortunately wasn't correct on. Um, And then the, and then the, uh, the confirmation we got from Buck when, you know, I I invited him on here to uh, eventually end up harassing him. Um, We haven't really talked about, the Maryland division with anything other than questions about Buck. Um, We've said a lot about Vegas, positive, negative. We've said a lot of positives. And I think to a man, all three of us had said that if we see that matchup that we're looking forward to rare breed nightcrawlers, I think all of us agree that the nightcrawlers are going to be the favorites and we all probably would pick them to win. Um, So maybe that's another question we should ask. What does Baltimore have to do to, to kind of keep th- their hold on either the second or, you know, make the move to the first best division? Uh, um, as far as what Baltimore has to do, I, I think they're quiet for a reason. I think they're not going back and forth with teams for a reason. Um, Baltimore has been here before. Baltimore has lost before. Baltimore has won championships. They've done things 
that these other teams that are trying to do them haven't even come close to doing. These these Baltimore guys don't care about winning playoff games. They're worried about winning championships. You know what I'm saying? They're looking for ways to revamp teams to win a chip. These guys aren't in the same fight as Florida. They're not in the same fight as Ohio. Not in the same fight as Vegas. They're not even in the same fight as Jersey. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's different fights, and I think that's why Baltimore is so quiet. I think they're revamping, they're retooling, they're getting, you know, they're getting their guys situated because I don't think they want a situation where they can say a Vegas sports team is arguably better than the Gators. I don't think they want that. I well, think that's bad last, representation on their part, you know? Last offseason, the Final Four Cobra team, they made a huge one of the probably the biggest move for an organization in the offseason and combined with you know people left from the the Vikings because we can't mention that other name that me and you right, 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 right. completely erased from history personally. <laughs> right, um, right. And and then the army. So so Maryland, what they did was is the 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 up and coming team from Maryland, the Cobras. They did the combined thing, which which I say all the time. The combined thing is usually a last ditch effort. We're we're either making this push and getting to the top, or this is going to lead to us starting to plummet. And who knows where that leads to this year? Um, according to Buck, they're going to run it back. They're not making any changes. They got Lenny out of there, and that should uh, make them better. Um, and then he expects to win the championship. That was his expectation. But then also, there's been a, a stagnancy to the Gators. You know, everybody knew going into last season that they had question marks at the quarterback position, even though John Gauze is one of the best players in our league's history. Mm-hmm. You know, so so what I'm saying is, is that as great as the Maryland division is, as competitive as they always are, and as tough of, a, of an opponent they every single Sunday prove to be. Right. Who is the last new player? that we didn't know about that's made a splash in, in Baltimore in the last couple of years that you remember, like um, a rookie or an unknown that we didn't already know about. Um, number 11 on the Gators, Butler, if I'm not mistaken, his name was. He ran back a few kick returns. He's, he's a tall guy, aggressive player, ran 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 back a few kick returns. Oh, they call him DK. They call him DK. Yeah, DK. He played, he played DK Butcher, yeah. Defense. Yeah, and then and then they put him at quarterback because they needed somebody. And then what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing the game to the week. nothing happened. So yeah, so my, my point is is that when when BIC is is revamping their roster by adding the last three rookies of the year and going from zero wins in the Salas tournament to a championship, you got guys coming into the Florida division from potentially Miami, and we all know what that means. Just, just that's all we need to say. And in Vegas has successful combines, you know, close to Sacramento, in Reno, um, you know, all over Nevada. They're getting more talent, and and the pool that they're building, and the and the infrastructure that Derek Duncan is building out there is going to lead to more talent. Ohio. We're, we're assuming that there's going to be a couple of guys that, you know, traded, you know, traded memorabilia for tattoos that might even end up on some of those rosters out there in Columbus. And that's a jo- joke. I don't know if there's any actual reported Ohio State Buckeyes. But anyway, <laughs> I th- where is Maryland getting their talent? Because what I've seen in the past couple of years is the same guys. And they're great players. But every single year, those great players are getting closer and closer to where I'm at. 
Now, I'm a spring chicken because Rock Briscoe for the force is 37. So I'm a young quarterback in the league. But you guys know where I'm going with this. I don't remember the last rookie coming out of the Maryland division and saying, wow, look at that guy. Not saying that they don't, they is, don't have no – Is that because yeah, – basically asking where the hell is their Asante worthy? Where's – where where is where is the actual room for improvement in baltimore because they already know the game they've already been established they already have veteran players on every roster to lead and as buck says because apparently he's the only quarterback that calls plays calls plays buck every quarterback in almost every roster calls plays you know what i think you know what i think it's gonna take and i think it's gonna start this season i think it's gonna happen in dc marcus cole paying a bill Damn. Um, I think that the problem with the rare breed and the Gators, the rare breed were a combined team of two teams. So at that point, you have the ability to just mash these two teams together and just keep all the best veteran parts. No need to add. No need to pull from another pool. The Gators, I think it's just because they're a brotherhood and these guys grew up into adults as men on that field. And there were not a lot of positions heading into 2022 that you would have thought needed major upgrading. So why go scout? Why go recruit when someone's going to end up sitting on the bench? Now with the buzz having a second season and a lot of those ex-Baltimore guys who weren't on the rare breed but and or who had, didn't have a team after the merger... You know, those guys ended up on the buzz for the most part. Now there's going to be another D.C. team, the D.C. Old Guard. I think that the... Old Bay seasoning? The D.C. Old Bay seasoning? (laughs) That's what it should have been. Let's get a sponsor, guys. Hey, hey, Old Bay seasoning? You already (laughs) should Sorry, I'm derailing the show. It's the spice of life. It is what you do. Um, Yeah, it's Old Bay seasoning for the show. Exactly. Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing if not always pro-Maryland, super-Maryland. I'm, I'm the Maryland voice of this show, and Maryland would say that, I think, first and foremost, because I live rent-free in their hearts. That was the name of our very first episode. And it's a very cozy place. Rent-free. They don't like you, Corey. I'm telling you, you still got to face those boys next season. <laughs> you might want to start saying some nice things about them closer I- we get to the season. I think Lawrence Brown in D.C., before we talk about everybody that wants to run Corey off the field and and back into the announce booth and then hit him again for what he says in the announce booth, I think Lawrence Brown, who runs D.C., is going to do a tremendous job. You know, he's he's basically shepherding the entire DMV right now. I feel like the old guard have an outside shot to be interesting this year. Adding new players, adding some new fresh matchups. We know what we're going to get from the rare breed. The Gators are a question mark for a litany of reasons. They start behind center, but they extend beyond just the construction of that offense. Was down the stretch. Their defense was keeping them in games. Their defense was top five defense in the league last year. Every time we saw them, even though, you know, the BIC and the U would, you know, get a double-digit win or make the game a little less tight than you would have expected from that level of defense, they were a top-five defense, and that's what got them deep into the playoffs. That's what got them knocking on the door for the second straight year. But the problem ended up being 
they just they couldn't it's not just quarterback it's who it what's the philosophy of that offense because they went run heavy because they had to because they had so many different options at quarterback that weren't John Gauss Jr. and if Corey Price is the solution to that problem great but how what pieces are they building around that that centerpiece who are they putting in position there? Do you have Lenny Manziel in? Do you bring Lenny in? Does he does he end up on the buzz or the old guard? How do you build around that offense and give someone that's a veteran quarterback in this league, whether if it's Ace Boogie John Gauss coming back and sharing time with CP3 or anything happening between now and opening day, how do you fix that problem? I mean... I don't know how they they have to figure that that these guys are out here doing the active recruiting. There's this guys like when the Gators came back out a few seasons ago, there were guys that came out that we've never seen before. And we do look for the veterans to take charge and bring in these new, young, fresh, talented guys that can really take their team somewhere like a variety, like a, a Shante Worthy, even a Columbus. That's his name, right? Columbus, what you guys call him? Um, the Halo guy, Master Chief. Oh, Master Chief. Oh, yeah. John, yeah, yeah, John Columbia. Chief. I thought yeah, you were talking exactly. about the whole division of Columbus coming in because they, no, they no, all no, – no, 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 no. No, no, they, they all kind of like Master Chief. But, yeah, no. Um, it, it's, it's really their job to do that recruiting. It's really their job to look for those guys that could be game changers in an upcoming season. And these veterans know what it takes – because I'm pretty sure the person that saw Verardi understood what he brought to the league be- and understood what the league is. They, they know this is not an offensive lineman league. You know, offensive linemen, good offensive linemen are very tough to come by in this league. And that's just the cold hard truth. In general. Yeah, in, in general, right. And I even heard a quote not too long ago that the difference between D1, D2, and D3 is the whole line. Not the not the wide receivers, not the quarterback. Like it's the offensive line. That's what makes a school D one, D two, or D three. So it is very hard to come across decent offensive linemen. And if I'm the league, I'm kind of trying to recruit those guys. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm looking for those guys in any division, New Jersey, um, Baltimore, all that. But again, it, it's really up to it's really up to those Baltimore veterans to really dig in that flag bag and you know the 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 park the wherever you could find these guys that to bring them out to play a seven to give them that new spark they might need to give them that variety push to give them that Sterry Codgerson look these guys those are new guys Sterry Codgerson Ashante Worthy Verard those are new names these guys weren't relevant four or five seasons ago these guys weren't here so it, it is up to those veterans to entice these players with highlights with with YouTube videos with clips everything to bring these kids out here that's the only way you'll actually get better because that's what i'm saying i think we we talk about the hierarchy of divisions and we start with new jersey because almost every single championship is in that division so we don't start with it because we're from new jersey or that we're biased or that we don't know what we're talking about or um you know pit bosses coach that you know eastern football is not that good which you're obviously wrong at three and four last year, by the way. Um, we don't talk about New Jersey being the best division because it's not true. No one can disagree with the fact that 
every single championship except for, I think, two, the Pennsylvania Immortals and the Baltimore Gators have been New Jersey A7FL champs. So when you go from there, right now, we would say that Baltimore is number two. I think Rob would say Florida is the number three division at the time. I think we could agree that Nevada is four. And then Ohio, Ohio and California can, you know, talk about amongst themselves. So the thing that I think we're talking about in the last couple of weeks and what what brings up into this show is as great as the Baltimore teams are on the field and and as much as they know about A7FL football, the room for growth is so much more open in those other divisions that if Baltimore wants to keep that second spot or, or challenge for the first, they better get on that recruiting trail because these guys that have, are the old guard, you know, to, to both oh, promote. Wow. So, of course, because, you, know, you know, I have to, tra- I have to translate for the people sometimes. You're basically saying that if Baltimore doesn't watch their backs, they can go from being the number two division in this league to – Maybe not even cracking the top five. I Is can that what you're see. Saying, I can see that well, happening. Let, let's say this, Rob. Wow. And I'll, said, let me. Ex- I'll explain why after Corey. Who's whose okay. league is this for the next two years? Sterry Codrington. And NBIC, right? Sterry Codrington. You heard what I said. <laughs> is Sterry is Sterry going to another team that we know about? Uh, no. It doesn't matter what Sterry does. It's his league right now. It belongs so, to him. So since Sterry's on BIC, it's BIC's league for the next whatever two years. You, you you, you've said in multiple podcasts before, you're, you're saying, at least for now, you're saying, let's, let's, put the, let's put the lease out for two years, and then we'll, we'll talk about what comes due after that. What I'm saying isn't necessarily talking about next year in 2023, because I think that all of the players that we are, are familiar with making huge plays in the Baltimore division. I think we can count on them next year. You know, as much shit as I've been talking about Buck, I'm only t- taking him to task for a decision that he said that he made that I didn't agree with, not at, not in his ability to call plays, not in his ability to lead a team, and not in, in his ability to play quarterback. I think that they're good next year. But when that bill comes due, when BIC might be, you know, starting to finish their run as the dynastic team, what I'm saying is, is that Baltimore better figure out how to get into the future of the A7FL because right now, good, you're fine. And they might be able to crack in and, and you know, get a, a second championship in the next two or three years, especially if they consider getting a, a team like Matt. I think he might have even misspoke, but he said that if the Gators and Rare Breed combine them, that's a super team that I think a lot of teams would have a tough time dealing with. You know, no, I, I, what I meant to say was the the rare breed were combined into two teams. Right, right. Combined then, from two know, teams. Right, and what I'm saying is, is imagine if that happened, then then we're talking about Maryland, you know, making a step in a different way. But, Rob, when those two years are over, or Ashanti Worthy and Sterry Codrington and Kaysan Campbell are all, you know, XFL stars, mm. we, might, we might see either the organization and structure and commitment from the Nevada division. I'm saying Nevada, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always have to check myself because I'm wrong enough on this show. I could at least pronounce the name right of a, of, of a state. 
it, the organization structure of Nevada or the elite talent that's just going to overwhelm people from Florida. And if Baltimore doesn't figure out a way to kind of even the score, when, when these other divisions figure out all of the nuances of the A7 game, and that's not an excuse anymore. You're saying Baltimore's what? packed. They're, they're done up. They're packed up. And once, once these other divisions figure it out, now, I don't, think they're, be, I don't think they're, they're packed. I don't think they're packed and money just yet. Supremacy. I mean, I think like, if they get it, okay. if they get in a, if if any of these divisions finds a guy that's that has a similar skill set to Sterry Codrington, that's 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 an, an an easy fix to any problem on your team right now. Get a trend, you know, get a uh, a, a a generational quarterback in the A seven NFL. So since that's not definitely gonna happen. What I think they should do is focus on getting their talent base a little bit younger so that though that the as the as the the great players in Maryland shift into the experienced guys, and you know, I would be one of those guys, and we all know what that is code word for. Once You're those experienced guys can pass down that knowledge onto guys that have the legs still, they maybe that's recruit. the ticket. They need to recruit, like you know, for lack of better, better anything, they need to recruit. And if they don't, they're in trouble. And I'm not here to say I disagree with you because, for the last few seasons, the Baltimore division has been on the backs of the same people that it's always been on the backs of. It's been Bone. It's been Ace. It's been it's been um you know who what's, what's the well, how am I forgetting his name? He's my favorite quarterback. It's been. It's been the Gators. It's been the, John the Vikings. Balls and Buck, yep. John, yeah, it's been Buck. It's been those same guys over and Zach over. Zach Sosa. Yeah, so you're right? you're looking for, and I agree with you guys. We're looking for the same passing of the torch that happened in Jersey. Um, something like there, there has to be a new group. I, I remember a few seasons, well, not a few seasons ago, a good amount of time ago. When um Big Mo and those guys came, those guys made sure we knew they were coming. And I was somewhat of a vet at the time. Those guys were talking to us as if we were nothing. Like we didn't exist. They treated us like we were just regular players. Like I was a little shocked. I, I Me and Big Mo, that's how me and Big Mo got close. Through well, through his um yeah through that and I don't see that happening in Baltimore. Unfortunately, me and Big Mo got close because he was tackling me and <laughs> landing on me, and he's three hundred and thirty pounds when he was playing. Well, and that was a different type of close. Well, but, I believe wholeheartedly if Big Mo and Rob Fabian were blocking the line for you, you'd be an A seven FL champion. But when it comes to my comments about the Maryland division, I want to be very clear. Maryland plays one of the best styles of football we see in the A7FL. They have mastered that style of play. But when you don't see those new faces popping up consistently, like DK Butcher, was, I believe he was in his second season because we knew him in 2021. If there's not a big run on recruiting young talent to fill key positions or at least have some options for an OG Buck or a John Gauze Jr. Because the the depth of the bench of the rare breed will start to change. That depth is going to change because a lot of these guys are going to end up going to the, either the old guard or the buzz or swapping back and forth for chances to start. 
Remember the reason why CP3 left a championship team after winning another title? He wanted to start. You're not. In, you're in this league for to prove yourself and to make some cash. If you got, if you have the chance to do both, you're going to run headlong into it. And a lot of these guys, they're not playing for the money. They're playing because they want to prove that they have what it takes to be an elite athlete. And it's incumbent upon everybody who plays in Baltimore to find players who are ready to take that next step to recruit. There's so many great high schools. There's so many great colleges in that state, in that area. And I think Lawrence Brown's going to do a great job with D.C. But I think the Gators and the rare breed are in the toughest position out of any veteran A7FL club heading into the next three seasons. Because they have some of the key positions set up. There's a lot of loyalty. And that's what happens to a lot of great franchises across sports where you're not like the New York Yankees. They tried to add stars instead of building up the farm system that won them championships. You're seeing, you see that in football. You saw that with the Belichick and Brady years. They just kept relying on Brady and Brady and Brady until the, the machine broke and Brady was like, I'm out of here. If Tom Brady leaves, you don't have an option. Like, let's say OG Buck, if he left, if he went to hypothetically, like this isn't happening, he's going back to the rare breed. He said it on the show. If the old guard picked him up or if they chose Lenny over him and Lenny got hurt, who who's come, who's stepping in? Who's starting? Who's running that very high-powered offense? Because you can't just have, a, a, and we saw it with the Gators, you can't have someone who is a temporary solution lead you to a championship unless you are elite at every other skill position. And, and even and even then and even then we've also talked about this podcast. Sometimes you you, you need to have two. Oh, oh, oh my God! I can't believe I said that. You do exactly you because there's no to win a championship, which I have no experience. It's the truth. It's just honest to God truth. At least two for the season, and one guy that can possibly play it as a speedster that can run around back there and look you know look insane. Because if you and think you about already it, snow. My guy, CJ, let's go. All right. And you have the system right now. You do have a two-quarterback system. Dang, One that's, that's supposed guy. to start, you know. So we're going to find out, and we will find out about that later, but I'm not, uh, you know, that's, we, 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 uh, we don't need to talk about me. Everybody knows that I never talk about myself, so I'm not going to start now. But what I will ask you guys, and I, not that I really want to quickly pivot out of a two-quarterback conversation because my skin's crawling or anything, or that we've talked about Maryland enough and, you know, I think that I have to drive through there maybe once or twice this season, so I might tint my windows out. Um, but we've also said a lot about the Vegas CVS receipts that are starting to uh, print out here. And uh, the, the receipt paper has got that little, those little pink lines on it because I think we need to change out, you know, swap out for a new role because we've been printing a lot of Vegas receipts, guys. Since I pivoted so quickly from two quarterbacks, I really personally am very interested to see how this new division shapes out, how the tragedy, which sometimes can turn into a positive when it, when it comes to bringing, you know, a, like a family together in the insomniacs and a lot of the intrigue there, 
as well as the new Reno division, how that feeds into allowing some of the better Vegas teams to separate themselves. What do you guys look forward to out of Nevada so that, you know, we can do our obligation of, uh, you know, five minutes, 38 seconds on that state so that the other (laughs) side of the ball doesn't uh, get all up, up, up in their, uh, feelings. Well, I'll make, I'll make some points before they're made tomorrow. Um, when it comes to Nevada, I think the interesting thing is whether or not the force can do it again. It's going to be more teams. There's going to be more opponents. The schedule is going to be, I believe, a lot less travel for them. And there's a lot of people who are listening to both podcasts and taking note of what's been said by Pac-Man Jones, that's been said by Coach Big Mac, that's been said across the board. The Insomniacs came close. Uh, 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 pardon me, the Pit Bosses. The Pit Bosses came close. They almost made it out here last year. They almost made it to our side of the country. The Force found a way and then ended up beating L.A. really hate that that rhymed. I'm really pissed off at myself that I did that. But But it's okay. <laughs> You already know. Um, with hey, <laughs> fucking asshole. Um, with with the force, it's whether or not Rock Briscoe can carry them to a second division and potentially conference championship. Like as you get deeper into the season, and they may have to face off against Ohio. They're going to have to face off against an LA team potentially in the playoffs at some point. How do you how do you respond to walking into the season the presumptive favorite in your division, in your conference, in your part of the country? The BIC, they, they did it last year. They were the team outlined to be number two in the league. They quickly proved they were the top team in the league. Can the force do that again? Can the force prove that last year wasn't a fluke? Things didn't just break right for them. You know, Long Beach didn't collapse and all like we did that because we're the best team on this side of the country. We have the best players and they have great athletes in RTC Wilkerson and Pac-Man Jones. They have great leadership, great coaching, but football doesn't care. We talked about the football gods in the rare breed and Nightcrawlers game and we brought it up later in the playoffs. The football gods don't give a shit about how talented you are. They don't care about how well you're coached. It's how well you can handle yourself in a situation where everything is on fire and the only thing you can do is make it from one white line to another white line. And when games get deep, when games get tough, when they play a competitor that they didn't expect or come into a game with a sick player or someone's late or someone got into a fight with their girl the night before, their guy the night before, like something's off. How can they respond to that adversity? Because what we saw against the BIC was them running into a brick wall again, 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 and again. Sometimes they'd figure out a way to... And then the entire BIC roster running off of the sideline into the end zone to celebrate uh, a touchdown. We also saw that. And they didn't seem demoralized. They didn't seem defeated. But at that point, you... A man caught the man that caught the ball. Yeah. Like, when you get beaten like they got beaten on national TV. And it wasn't the most offensive loss we saw all season. 
We it saw bad, it was. I'm not, but what happened in Ohio against the Nightcrawlers? That was rough. Um, what we saw in yeah, I see do once. Yeah, yeah, we already said it. And some of the games from the U, like they, we've seen some teams get beaten up. What what the U did to the hit squad was yeah. even worse than what BIC. No, did. no, 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 no. Eighty burger, eighty burger is the worst. Eighty burger is the worst. Stop. Oh no, I w- I was just saying, U hit squad, uh, forced BIC. The, the, at least the force came out here. Oh, okay. and look, they and tried. They tried. I mean, they tried. They tried. They tried. I mean, it's I mean, they, 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 scored two, they scored three touchdowns. Two of them were you know towards the end of the game. They were completely outmatched the entire game. They didn't really know what they were facing. They didn't block Berardi for the first quarter and half of the second quarter. So we know how the game went. I mean, I don't think we have to reiterate any of those points. I think a lot of the teams that faced BIC, including the Gators, looked very inept uh, facing that roster. You know, there were drives where the U looked inept against BIC. So I don't think that that's that's as big of an indictment against the force and specifically Rock Briscoe, because like I said, and jokingly I say he's my favorite quarterback because of his age, but what I want to say as we're talking about the Nevada division is when he's out there playing against that defensive pass rush, he's a lot more like the kind of guy you would expect a, a, a division champion to look like. So when we start when we start calling some of those West Coast games, I think the 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 national you know viewing audience is going to get a, a a little bit of a different taste of that quarterback and maybe an off season to work and and get better and get you know more in sync with his guys and, and design an offense that's a little bit more you know. But, but the catch with, the catch with the catch with all that too is that. Losing to BIC, BIC is the industry standard. BIC is it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is that what a is that a benefit or an or a detriment to the force? Were were they close enough to say, all right, if we do these things, we can close the gap, or was it such a big gap that it's almost like, well, let's win the division a, and get what money we can. It was a it was a big gap, but they felt it. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know who the best boxer is in the league until you get punched in the mouth by him, right? You won't know. Well, I've been punched a lot, so I, I think I know. Yeah, right. So it's like that kind of energy. If if these guys bring that kind of if, – if they remember what it felt like to get hit, I think they should be okay. You, you They got to bring that strong jaw energy? Uh, yeah, that's a pause on you because I definitely didn't say that. <laughs> that is not a shirt one, you'll I was get. Wondering, I, right, right before I said it, Rob, I was wondering if that was paused, but it was absolutely paused. Um, you so you no won't be buying jaws, that shirt at tinyurl.com slash A7FL. Strong jaw shirts. Um, yes. But, like, let's look at this. The, the Force scored 19 on the BIC. The final score was not great, but... The BIC only gave up six points against the Gators the week after that. The U the week before, well, a couple of weeks before, before, uh, uh, the Jersey Championship game only put up 19. Their defense gave up a lot less. The U defense gave up a lot less than the Force, but the Force scored more points than the Gators did in the Final Four against the BIC. 
The U scored as much. The Gators in in every game against the BIC this year didn't get over two touchdowns. Gators lost 38 to 6 and 39-13. And then they had no quarterback. So even though that shows that's a testament to how good their defense is and how efficient their offense is without a quarterback. It's not very efficient. But but with the exception, with the exception of the U. No team got within a touchdown of the BIC. No team team scored more than just one touchdown, I think, other than the U. The rare breed in week one, and they put up 40. But, you know, BIC will tell you that they didn't bring enough guys, which is another excuse that I will not allow. Yeah, the the, the closest. But then the force, right? The force, they got the three touchdowns against BIC. We could say that one was garbage time, whatever. But I think, Rob, you said it. Gators didn't have a quarterback. For what we say about Rock Briscoe, he's a quarterback. Now, you no, Rob, you don't have to say he's a good quarterback. You don't even have to say he's serviceable. But compared to what the Gators were, were rolling out there, no no offense to those guys because they're actually pretty good players, you know, at different things and you know, at different times. Um, they didn't have a guy, the, the, the comparable at least, to Rock Briscoe. And I think one of the things that we'll see in the Vegas division is that I think the offensive line is going to get a little bit better because they were basically, even on run plays, you know, the size of the force against the defensive lines out there in in Vegas and California, those guys were just, you know, they were just being heavy on people. Uh, You know, they weren't pushing that many guys. And when when they came and they played against BIC – even against the Schnell tribe at times, they were they were they were facing a guy in front of them that was either as big as as uh, Charles Siva, we were calling him Maui, and some of the other offensive linemen over there. There's some they realize it's like oh shit this, this isn't you know this isn't flag I'm not facing Olay sized defensive linemen all the time. Right, and right, then when right. They, and when they faced the Verardi, they're like oh shit this guy's strong and fast and he's in shape. I got to do this all game. They were like, nah, he's the option guy. Rock will, Rock will, uh, Rock will throw hot off of that shit. And guess what? Force didn't work. But I think, I think it's interesting because when we look at position by position, the force have a pretty solid foundation, at least to start building. And when we talked about the Florida division and we had Devon Gray up here, you know, he had a similar roster makeup, maybe a little bit in the 18. He had a, a, a very, strong capable you know you know bell cow type running back you know workhorse in d west they had they had a strong run game and then they had a defense because you know in the florida division they had the best defense so they thought they had a defense and then you know the u put on 80 um so that didn't go well but when they got the infusion of talent into their division all of a sudden the the balance started to tip towards the night crawlers because they just had the better guy so then it goes back to one of Rob's points about A7FL and, and, and the first couple of years you play in the fall. And we talked to Pac-Man Jones, the force, some of the guys are playing. The team as a whole is not. The pit bosses, the insomniacs, Rashad Davis, the Florida transplant is already in Vegas. They're ready to play. There's going to be a bunch of other teams in there. Uh, some of the Reno teams are getting in there so that they have some competition. And like Rob always says, the fall is great for recruiting. It's great for testing out guys, seeing what you got. It's getting on the same page. It's getting more experience. Rob, what do you think 
is going to be the effect of the the Vegas 2022 fall. And how do you think that that might affect the the, the balance of power in a division that is going to get the influxion of talent? But we were just talking about with Maryland how maybe combining teams would be the thing. They're spreading out their talent by having another eight teams in Reno. So they might be going in the opposite direction. It's, so it's bigger, what do you think it's is going to happen? Market. It's a bigger market. It's um, There's more people. There's more eyes on it. You know, it's it's. I think I, it'll help them. I do think, again, like I said, the fall, I, I think the fall gives you another aspect. I remember there's games in the fall that helped me cultivate the type of player I wanted to be. You know, so um, I, I don't know. Like, I just think the fall is way more important than these guys are giving them credit for. I think they should really invest in trying to get a tournament style, you know, thing for the fall because everyone gets to play in the fall. It's a tournament, though. So three losses, you're out. You know what I'm saying? And, and it just it helps cultivate like it, it does things that a practice wouldn't do for you. And what's the and, and and maybe you could speak to the hidden danger that I don't think the force is considering. When when you're when you got guys that are hungry to play and they jump on a squad to 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 play with other guys, uh pause. Hold up. No, no, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. That was what yo, bro, you're that good, was yo, good. that was way worse than I think some of the other things you paused me for before. So I'm yeah. just glad I paused that, myself. That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. So when, when you're participating in sports, you know, competitively with other, uh, you know, human males, I got to be careful with this pause stuff now. I'm getting pretty bad. Um, these force guys that are on the insomniacs, that are on the pit bosses, what happens if, you know, XFL invite Trey Robinson starts balling out? And there's a guy from the force that's, you know, one of those fringe players, but is necessary for the team's success. He starts feeling comfortable playing on the pit bosses. What if, what if all of a sudden Rashad Davis starts running around and he's the best player in Vegas and some of the guys from the force are like, you know, maybe I want to rock with this guy. That, that's something that happens, is it not? It happens a lot. I mean, it happens a lot, bro. It's just... It's just... So it's do you think really, do you think the balance do you think a similar power balance shift could happen in in Vegas from year one to year two that happened in Florida? Hmm. Because we talk about it all the time. Yeah, when we talk about I, the think it, right I think it, I, I think it I think it will happen. These are some good ass questions. Let's just be clear. These some, that's why I'm a little stumped. These are some good questions. I I think it's inevitable to be honest because of the work that. Florida's not putting in the same amount of work, and the I don't know the athletic comparison, but it seems like Vegas has got some ballers out there already. And I think that another year of playing this game and them having coaching, which Rob, I know you don't like, but they have a set philosophy. They know what they they can address their needs. A lot of these teams in the A seven FL are run by captains, and they don't look at it the same way a Kenny Stansberry or even a Marcus Cole will look at it and they will, or, you know, a Ryan Shamar, they may not have that same level of aggression, that same level of recruiting 
And, you know, even I think that Marcus Cole might, I think the Maryland teams, and this is not a slight, I said this before, got complacent with finding new blood. Vegas doesn't have that problem. And Vegas has a pipeline because of all their coaches' connections and their connections to the Vegas football community. And even going into California, like they're doing combines in Sacramento. They're in Reno. They're looking at Arizona and Utah for players. When they're able to tap into that kind of pipeline, that's dangerous. That's, that is giving Kenny Stansberry the entire Northeast and getting every phone number of every great undiscovered player and just saying, go off. That's, that's the biggest secret weapon I think Nevada has. It's not a secret, but it's their biggest weapon that we have to see play out. And if it plays out the way that Derek Duncan and everybody else in, in Vegas and Nevada in general want it to play out, this is insane. And imagine if they get to applied to California. Imagine if LA taps into the true power of Los Angeles, taps into Crenshaw, taps into, you know, Long Inglewood, taps into all these areas in and around Southern California, going back to San Diego to recruit players. This game really quickly could get taken over by the West Coast. Will it? Most likely no, because I think there's too much pride coming out of New Jersey, coming out of Maryland and now Florida to let that happen. But I do think by the time we reach the 15th season of the A7FL, we will see a a champion from either Nevada or California or both. Because if things shake out and it's East versus West in the championship game, do you think that a West Coast team can surprise an East Coast team. Because what happens if a team gets hot? What happens if Sterry, God forbid, Sterry, Ashante, Kaysan, somebody gets hurt? Or Matt Riddick doesn't come back or doesn't play in key pivotal moments or key pivotal games? What happens? Matt, Matt, you're you're talking about the Vegas plan, which I think is is reminiscent, Rob, to the the early days of A7FL where we had 16 New Jersey teams, right? And then eight of those teams, Rob, were competing for a championship. Some of them, you know, some of them were, uh, you know, a bye week. And I think when we talk about Nevada opening up the Reno division and having the extra teams, I think that that's a, a, a good thing to start with. But that's that's going to that's going to pay dividends maybe four or five years. Right. Right, Matt. Like you said, yeah, year 15 of a seven. We're talking about some powerhouse teams out there with a lot of experience. The, the natural progression of guys going from team to join other teams so that teams become more powerful within their own division. But I think that at least in year one of, of spreading the talent out, that might be a potential negative to some of the newer teams. What might work out is that the, 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 the more established teams out there or the teams right. that, that establish themselves quicker – they might be able to pull talent in the first couple of years quicker than the other ones and then start to, you know, build that championship roster for their division that then can compete. But I think what we have to ask is, is, is the, the run of dominance in New Jersey. What, what is that? Is, is that because we have just played this game for so long because when you look at the BIC roster, it's not experience that that really pops. It's talent, it's speed, and it's an exceptional 
execution of the ideas from the older guys. And that's what all of the, the these divisions and these these leagues that are that are that are trying to, to build themselves up, that's what they have to be looking to do. Mix mix the understanding of the game with the top level talent because that's what New Jersey's doing. That's what the standard in the A7FL is. And to be honest, Matt, we can we can we can praise how great a division will do from year to year. But when we talk about winning a championship in the A7FL, you got to bring a lot more than just improvement year to year. A lot, a lot more than that. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. It always takes a lot every year. Yeah, I I feel like it's it's going to get harder. I think that we're definitely going to see an arms race develop in the next few years of who can build the best team. I think what we saw in the NBA over the last 10, 15 years will metastasize in the A7FL because the the platform is growing, the opportunities are growing, and I think a lot of these players are going to start to see where the best organizations are and the best opportunities for them to advance their career. A lot, we talk about people making business decisions on the field all the time. There's going to be a lot of people making business decisions or already. Rashad Davis made a business decision. He uprooted his life to go ac- literally across the country and, and play football in the A7FL, and now he is a leader of a team that is reeling with the passing of Donnie Bunak. But this could end up being something that changes dozens of lives and affords the league the best possible football across the country because Nate nail in Columbus. I don't think he's going to want to have teams that just go one and one and seven. He's not going to want to have teams that go zero and eight. No, no. Well, I, I think you said something interesting Matt. the way you worded it, you said it's an arms race. And for me, what I think these, these divisions and these individual team general managers are going to start doing is their the arms race literally is going to be in finding these guys that have the athleticism to to be the runner and the arm and the intelligence to be the passer because those are the teams that are going to start looking prime time and and playing successfully as we continue to progress and that kind of segues into maybe another you know, interesting topic as we kind of recap where we've been and where we're going. You know, we've had a lot of characters on, guys, and and I think we've had just as much fun laughing about, you know, crazy shit that's been said as much as we've been, you know, delving into the 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 deep dive that is the 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 technical aspect of the A7. But who are some of the who are some of the 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 names that you guys are looking forward to next year in 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 either a new place or a new situation and 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 what are some of the storylines that that are that are capturing your imagination as we sit here you know episode 19 um i think you know again this is going to be a mark bagway of course and the storyline would be you know i'm gonna take it serious this year and kick everyone's ass like that's the storyline i'm looking for for mark for mark bagway is that a hope or is that what you think is going to happen? Uh, it's, it's a partial hope. It's, it's, 
it's understanding that Mark Bagway is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, according to a lot of flagpoles. Like he's actually a lot better than um I think we think he is. And um once he decides to take it serious or if the team he's on decides, you know, hey, it's time, Mark, let's go crazy. And, and that's the storyline. Like, I like to play in my head to think that that's what he's going through. Like, uh, day seven's fun. You know, I'll just give these guys a little bit of sauce. But then next year, actually have a chip on his shoulder. Like, oh, these guys think I suck. These guys think I'm a joke. And then really go out there and give these guys, like, who he really is. Because apparently from my research, like, Mark Bagway is that guy. He really is. And he just has to show the league that. I think, and I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go 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 go. Well, because I think what's interesting is the storyline. Rob isn't, and I don't think anybody questions if Mark Bagway could. I think that the storyline is: is Mark Bagway going to be willing to? And I think that's almost even more compelling because if we talk about all of the potential from the Florida division. I think a lot of it stems from the the you know the back and forth we're having as we're even ju- you know just trying to think of it because we were promised that if the bag was bigger that Mark Bagway would take over the league from guys from Florida that are not on, even on his team that's the type of reputation that he has as a football player not only with guys that he plays with that those were his opponents and they they were very quick to to make those statements and both guys, Devon Gray and Coach D, were right there. Yep, bigger bag. Mark Bagway takes over the league. So, Rob, what if what if Mark Bagway throws the the bag and it's just Winway? Mark Winway comes here just to win. It's not about the bag anymore. It's about the win. And Mark, if you do that, take full credit for it. We'll even pretend like I never said it on the podcast. That's not true. I'll mention it every time, but. If Mark Winway comes out to just win and he's that guy as you're doing your research, Rob, does BIC have something to worry about? Sorry, I couldn't unmute fast enough. Um, 1,000%. I mean, if he can get, if he can rally those guys, I mean, not this season, not this season, but if he can rally those guys into understanding who they have to compete with, showing these guys BIC and making them feel like, hey, we can take these guys. BIC does have something to worry about. But why, but, why not, but why not this season, though? Because we, we don't know. You just never know. That's just how this – Well, I, I agree. I agree that we don't know. But what I'm saying is, is if not Mark Bagway, Mark Winway shows up and he's ready Mark to win. Winway. I like it. I like the nickname. So, so if, if Mark Winway shows up and not Mark Bagway, it's not about the bag, it's just about to win. Is 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 he the kind like that's what I want to know. That's what I want to figure out. Is he really the kind of guy that he's being promised to be? Or is it just a safer route to just leave that out there just in case he fails like he did against the rare breed? He can say I wasn't trying hard, which I, I think you guys all know is my favorite excuse. Yeah, I mean, is it an excuse or is he really like that? I'm saying that if he doesn't come out and become Mark Winway, 
then what I'm gonna what I'm gonna phrase it as is if it doesn't work out and he's just well, losing. Okay. Wait, That's the okay. most Skip Bayless ass thing I think I've ever heard right, you say. Right. That was super Skippy. Uh, that was super Skippy. But how about this? Give give how about this? Give this tape. What happens if Bagway beats Bic in the regular season? What do you say then? What happens? Let, let's what let's ask a this. Power, a power three team. In, if in, if Mark Bagway, let's say this, if is Mark Bagway even trying hard and he beats BIC? Because he, I, I, I don't think, think the Nightcrawlers beat the BIC right now. I think that if everything breaks right for them, but that defense is when they're on, they're impossible to stop. And BIC? yeah, I'm talking about the BIC's defense and also. Steri and Ashante have the advantage of they've I'll, been playing I'll in big games only, since they came in the league. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you the only the only offense that had any success against BIC's defense was led by a quarterback named Quatrell Huffin, which if there is a guy that has a little bit of a similar style, it might be Mark Winway. So that's that's Rob's storyline of the the season. Are we going to get Mark Bagway, who's about the bag, and we don't know what the effort level is? Because if we get Mark Winway, maybe we're talking about a Florida uh, East Division entrant into the championship game. Because that would be, I think, the, the path you know that that's hypothetically going around there. And then BIC, if they lost in the playoffs to the Nightcrawlers, you know, let's say in the East Championship, they wouldn't even get back to the championship. And then, oh, my God, everybody in New Jersey would 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 have a lot of CVS receipts at that point. But that's 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 Rob's storyline of the 2023 season. Mark Bagway or Mark Winway? Mark Winway. And that was really some skip Bailey shit. And I love it. How, how about you? How about I? I I appreciate that you said that because he is a millionaire, but I also <laughs> am cringing right now because I hate Skip Bayless as well. So I hate myself too. So Matt, what's your 2023 storyline that you're looking forward to or player that you can't wait to watch? Oh, well, there's a lot of players I can't wait to watch, but the storyline that I want to talk about is one that I wouldn't think we would be saying this time last year. Are the Patterson you still a playoff team? What what Patterson you are we going to get week one? Hypothetically, if we looked at the schedule for next year on week one, what will the Patterson you be able to do? And in terms of going up against a, a team like the BIC, or is is a, is what we're going to see from Quattro Huffin the same problems we saw in 2022 and is the which were basically the offensive line the offensive line let him down and rob i'm not going to say this cuz you're my co-host or my friend without rob fabian on that line there were a litany of issues that were that the patterson you kept running into age and inconsistency really became a problem they missed Mo right. Ramadan for a few weeks because Mo had real life things and he had to actually, he had to step away from the league. Right. They're trying to rotate in new guys. Kyle Ward had a revelatory season. He had his, you know, had an amazing season. Really set himself up to be the number one guy in that offense. But 
as we got deeper and they were playing more aggressive competition on the other side of the ball, the Patterson U offensive line at some points, we saw Quattrall Huffin get sacked more than Bagway and Codrington combined on games of the week through the course of a, a regular season. That, well, Matt, you know why that is, is because Ryan Shamar, you know, had a new baby in his house. So that was the excuse there. And and if that's true, did the baby move out though, Rob? No, I'm just I'm just trolling. Oh my god! There we go. We haven't got enough of that. He's such a dad vet. He's such a dad vet that he doesn't understand that first time parents still have a difficult. He caught his last kid like Mike Piazza. Like he was just like, all right, I'm ready. He's like, we're in and out thirty. Hold up, hold up. It it was still it. Let, let's just say it was it was still an arduous task. There's, I'm, there's, I'm not denying no, it was an arduous task, but you were re- like you were more prepared. It wasn't like it wasn't like. Oh yeah, 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 no, no, yeah. I didn't even need the mitt. I I I can't I catch you know no gloves like old white wide receivers in the 1973. <laughs> you like, had that bang. Fred Bolitnikoff shit. And this is actually this is actually true. My wife will say this. An hour after my 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 most recent new Hammond Deacon James was born an hour later I was I was at my my, my then sixth grade it was not an hour you left 15 minutes after I gave birth uh I yeah and I went to go podcast and I went to go coach my uh my 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 he was sick in sixth grade at the time and we played the Brick City Lions which are our nat- nationally ranked pop Warner team and we lost 35 nothing um, but I was there for my guys. So, but again, you are but again, again, that is your fifth or sixth child. I'm talking about the first child. No, I, 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 I'm sorry. I derailed that point. It was better than me making a joke. My wife got to roast me again, so that was <laughs> worth it. But Matt, get back to your actual important joke. Uh, I mean, point. Um, Ryan Shamar, if, you already know. If it's if that was the issue, Ryan Shamar needs help running that team. If it's all falling I on you're him, say help running the household. Well, that too. Oh my uh, god! He can, any everybody can use help running a household. Like I, you know, I'm 33. I don't have kids, and I still need help. Um, with everything going on, I that's that's the big storyline because walking into week one last year, they were God destroyers. They were. They were Godzilla. They were the it's, rulers of I this think, league. I Here's think the, the thing. worst Here's the thing. Here's the anyone thing. Here's in this league could do is sleep on the U. Yeah, I don't. And think I didn't mean to rhyme. sleep on the U, and but I think it's time. And honestly, it's it's a one year thing. Matt, I mean Ryan. Ryan has figured it out by now. He's been a dad for over a year. He's figured it out by now. But that first child, that first year, that first everything I... is. Corey, we ain't asking you. All right, mm. you had it figured out. The handbook must have fell out when he when when the kid did because it didn't fall out for me. Stop talking about things mine. falling out. It, it, <laughs> it just did. It just didn't. So I'm not gonna lie. No, I got Corey you. I got likes you. To, Corey likes to make light of it, but I'm telling you, I seen a steep drop in my play when I had my first child. It, it's not a joke. These are real life things where. These things can't happen and change the course of how you do handle. But they, but they still made the championship and they still only lost by yes, two points. I guess think it's overplayed. No, 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 no. If if he was fully focused, realized what was going on, 
he could have made a better call. He was not focused. It's it's a real thing. And to beat a team like BIC, you have to be on your P's and Q's. You got to be on everything. You can't lack or slip anywhere. And Ryan came up here and he admitted he he didn't have the focus required to beat a team like that. And I understand that fully because, again, I had my first child in 2018. Ask me what happened that season, that 2018 season. What happened? That's probably one of our worst seasons since we've been champions. Yeah. I, it, it, it happens. And I had a few kids after that, but I was seasoned by that point. I could have a whole other kid right now and, and win a championship and smile about it. But that's just how it is. Like, it, you do lose focus when you're when you're running around with that first kid. It, it does. I, 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 all right. And 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 that's that's fine. Uh no, Corey I guess, hates it. I guess really there's does no not, he does not but, agree. What I'm saying is, is that is that what Matt's saying is, is that you know Matt's question. Does he need help? No, 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 no. Matt's question. Matt's question when he started this was, is is the U a playoff team? And I think that, like, I like audibly, I was on mute. I audibly gasped like this because <laughs> the last thing we want to do is poke that bear because that bear is a hurricane. And will you know level ground for uh, on the entire East Coast if we if we if we poke them the wrong way? So like, I will talk a shit to the the guy who runs the U about blaming you know the thing the, you know the thing on on the kid. But what I won't do is underestimate them because I think of all of the teams that are coming into the next season. The last one you want to count out is a team that was two points away from winning their third straight championship, and and, and now everyone's talking about their the other team, and that they're old, and that they're, and 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 Matt, like I gotta play these guys, man. I'm not trying to get you fucked up on the field. Please, please. No, I am me. trying to get myself fucked up. Well, because you're saying, a like, schmuck. You I love you, but you're a schmuck. But I'm like you too, man. Like here, I am. A I think I think that the U have the best chance of 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 a lot. Like they have a one well, in three do, chance, do, in my opinion, to make the championship. But, but do you think they're a playoff team? Uh, what the hell kind of question is that? They are. They that are a playoff question. team. I would say they're maybe the third or second best team in the East because I mean, we don't know. Yeah, the season hasn't started. They're number two. They have to be. Yeah, we're insane for saying we're insane for even entertaining anything else because they yeah. haven't been dethroned by anyone but Rare Breed, who won in the regular season but couldn't finish the job, and Bic who finished the job three times straight. So did we? Did we ever talk about? Did we ever talk about anything that that occurred in that Rare Breed U playoff game? I don't know if we of ever. Of course we did. Yeah. Did we ever mention anything mean? that happened in that game? When you were badgering Buck for two hours, yes. <laughs> that was away. like watching a, a courtroom drama in real time where Corey was the defense attorney for the position of quarterback for this entire league, for this entire sport we play. And Buck was just sitting there like Omar when he was on the stand in season one of The Wire, just just giving you Every reason to be pissed off at him if you were the if you were the attorney on the other side. <laughs> he he so, did admit so, that he, he went against the new. 
um, the the you punched him in his mouth and he just couldn't recover. He just again the big stage playoffs. Oh crap! That's not so loud. But playoff football in the A seven is a very di- different atmosphere. What do you, you think is the? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. What, what I think it, is what? Yo, it's crazy. But what do you think is the craziest thing anybody said on the show? I guess myself included. What is the craziest quote? Or, or whatever. I don't know. You could you could paraphrase somebody and, and, and quote them wrong and piss them off. Okay. I, mean, why I got not? you. I got you. I got you right now. Let me go first. One of the craziest things I've heard on this show is when my co-host said, we spent weeks hammering Bagwood. <laughs> <laughs> Big pause on Corey. And he even paused himself because he heard how crazy it was. But all jokes aside, the craziest thing I've heard on this show is Buck saying that he's the best quarterback in this league. With with such confidence that it really, for a quick second, if I didn't know any better, I'd believe him. And I'm pretty sure Buck fans believe that that's the case. But that is one of the craziest things I heard on this show. And I don't think, I don't think there was anything wrong with a, a player having confidence in their game. I think when we had Devon Gray on, it was the, you know, in in my opinion, and and and. If you saw some of the message I got from Florida guys, they they were very upset with Devon Gray for a lot of reasons. But hey, I mean that's just you know, I, I'd say it to Matt all the time. You know, this show was like that little Thomas the Train faced plane flying away from the explosion meme. We're just dropping bombs, just getting out of there, and just letting Florida just take care of itself. But when Devon Gray came on here, he it was the, the it was the the kind of like the balance of humble. Yeah, I got to do this and get better. You know, this, this, you know, I've identified this. And also the confidence, like, but I have, I believe myself, blah, blah, blah. Like, what we heard from Buck, and I don't want to rehash it too much because I think we've already talked enough about it, is it sounded like he was disagreeing with himself because he said, I'm the best. And then when I asked him, but why? And, and then, and then it became this thing where he was, he was arguing that, yes, he was the best. And, but no, he was doing the best for the thing, for the team. And, and and I think that that was crazy. But Matt, what do you think is the craziest thing that's been said on our show so far this year? Um, God, there's a lot. Um, sixty five percent of it came from you, Corey. Not gonna lie. Um, because I was thinking the same thing, but okay. <laughs> um, I think to be honest, not a lot of crazy stuff that we haven't already covered. What's your fa- what's your favorite crazy thing then? Oh, so I think it was a sh- I think it was when Sterry was on the show and he gave his honest assessment of everybody that played with him. Because the amount of confidence you have to have in the relationship with your teammates and the ability you have in yourself as a leader to be completely transparent so much so that, you know, I I can attest that you guys ended up getting a lot of messages and I, I don't know how much of that affects the BIC heading into next year. But that level of transparency from a player, it, and I brought it up before, but that to me was the biggest thing we've seen so far on this show because you're getting the unfiltered thoughts of the reigning MVP of a league when the yeah, arguably the... His equal in terms of most important players to the league is his teammate. And he is being completely honest about it. And basically saying if they didn't have 
that player, they'd still win the championship. If you drop any one of those guys on the Vegas Force, they make it to the championship. They come out of the West. No question about it. But which one of them is going to win them a championship? That's the interesting question. And I think it created this what, who, where does the power lie in totality? Because Ashanti in 2021 was as good as he was in 2022. They didn't win the championship. Sterry Codrington had arguably the best season of a quarterback in recent memory in the biggest season in the in facing what could arguably arguably be the toughest and most unique competition a quarterback has faced in the A7FL. I mean, he played the youth three times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's comfortable now against them. Yeah, this is matchups. If, if you're comfortable with these guys, like it's like playing your brothers, right? You know well, how to beat still, your brothers. Other teams talent, might not be able to beat level, your brother. The talent level of the U does not allow for many mistakes. And to play as consistently excellent as Terry Codrington did, there's no question why he's the MVP and probably no the favorite going into next year. I think what's interesting is we're kind of tiptoeing around the idea that, you know, and Rob can speak to this too. I think BIC's built in a different way, which may be why we're talking about them in a different light. But that first championship is a lot easier to win than repeating the next second. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I don't know if I don't know if that counts because I think BIC is still hungry. I think they're all still young in the league. I think Mm -hmm. they also have a lot to prove. And I all I also think that the 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 tightness in some of those games against the U keeps all of them aware enough, except for KWAC, who is on another planet regardless anyway. Um, you know, you ask KWAC, that beat last year could beat the Jets, um, which would mean that they could be like 7-2 and two in the NFL this year because apparently the Jets are good. Is that crazy? Um, That's what's in. Shout out to that kid that gets ice cream every week now because the Jets win. Well, shouts to – Shouts to a billionaire and his billion-dollar organization giving one kid ice cream. Yeah, that's great. Uh, maybe they should have. Maybe they should have. I, I think it's his dad. I think it's his dad. I think his dad gets some ice cream. I think it's his dad that gets some ice cream every time they win. Yeah, um, but but I think for me, guys, you know, the craziest thing that I heard on our our family and network of podcasts. And I just kind of wanted to bring it back up to you guys and and, and just kind of like just sit on it a little bit. Oh, man, that's pause too, huh? isn't it? Um, so moving on. Uh, and now I limp into this. I'm going to try to shit talk after I just paused myself. But when Ant- Coach Anthony Bartley of the last year three and four Vegas pit bosses, uh, very close to the same time he was giving himself an excuse for only playing tight games, not winning, because he had nine guys in a seven-on-seven league, which shouldn't be something that you brag about on a podcast publicly. Um, he was he he said a, a a very vague-ish, you know, paraphrase of a quote like this, and it really it really felt insane to me, guys. He said that the brand of football out east is trash. Now, Rob, I don't know if you've been listening to the the other side of the ball, but you've been their target and. 
for once. Oh, I have. For once, don't say, I don't say that. Kinda, I, I've been kind of hus hussing all of the hate from the West, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm still dodging plenty of of wanted signs. In, you know, in the in the downtown Baltimore area, you know, the closer right. you get to the water, the more dangerous it is for Shaboy. Um, sure, boy. Those are my guys over there, and just just remember the more the more I hate you hate on you guys publicly on the show, the more I actually love you in real life, because I live there in your hearts rent free. But so I've been to Target more recently. But what do you guys think about no, what I'm saying? Is I'm just kind of putting Target a little bit back on my back. What do you guys think to the to to a a expansion division? That's piggybacking off of the the blood, sweat, and literal tears. Because I've seen a lot of guys, you know, get hurt and cry on the field because we play tackle, you know, no pads. It's safe. Boy, what are you asking us? I'm I'm so lost. I felt like I was supposed to answer something. Then you said something else. What are you asking right now? Our, our, our Nevada, is, the, is Anthony Brantley's assessment of East Coast football East Coast trash? Is that because, not bro, the crazy thing you've ever heard? Because he, no, I, I remember hearing that, but I knew I knew that was going to be yours. I'm not going to take that. Anthony Bradley's insane. And Bartley, Anthony Bartley, 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 Bartley. Sorry, Bartley. What team does he coach? The Pit Bosses. And what was their record? Three and four. I rest my goddamn case. Anthony, they Anthony. beat the Insomniacs twice. Congratulations on nothing, Anthony. Listen up, man. When you come to the East and you have to face one of these monsters, I hope you run into BIC. So, so, so how about this, Rob? What if words. what if the BIC had to come out West? They're gonna BIC is gonna go on vacation, eat eat some Vegas French fries, have some have some chips and and in an out burger, whatever you guys have over there, and beat the dog stuffing out of out of the pit bosses. Like that's a joke. That's a joke. You, you might be. You might be. You might have BIC down or a, a touchdown first quarter because of jet lag. If you're lucky, after that you guys are gonna get smoked. Well, by I, the I, way, I, by the way, on that on that same po- podcast, Anthony Bartley bragged that to Derek Duncan. By the way, speaking of BIC, remember the pit bosses. We held the force in in one half. We held them pretty good, oh my, and, we God, lost, and we only let up twenty five points. I hate people that, like, I'm a W guy, bro. I don't care what the score was. I don't care if we won by two. That W was secured. If you're telling me what you did in one half or one quarter, tell me, just just, just put a sign on, my, on your head that says I'm irrelevant. Because, bro, football is four full quarters. I don't care what you did for two of them. I don't care what you did for three. I don't even care what you did for four if they're not complete. Everybody thought the Tampa Nightcrawlers were going to come back up the next week with less than a minute left in a game against the Nightcrawlers. I mean, against the Rare Breed. That turned on a dime. And we've been running long with this one, and we didn't even have a guest because we just like talking to each other. We're just going crazy. But next week on the show, it will be the best of the three-on-one podcast, episode 20, because it'll be the holidays. But guess what? We'll still be here. We'll be talking about those clips and we'll be breaking them down just like we broke down some of our favorite moments of the show so far in an outlook on 2023. The best way to get involved with us is being on Twitter. Check the show notes for how to follow us on social media. 
We'll reply to you on the Twitter. We'll say hi. Let us know what you think of the show. And of course, when it comes to this show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. No matter where you're listening to us, we always review. The reviews are important. They help get people to listen to us. Our listenership keeps growing every single week, and that's because of the word of mouth of you guys, and we're really appreciative. Uh, and, and once we get into the season, this show is going to have some rocket fuel on it because we're going to have players on the show. And I know it's only it's still three months or so away, four months away, but we're going to have players on. We're going to have management on. We're going to be breaking down games. We're going to give you another layer of coverage that you won't get on TV because we'll be able to process everything and give you much deeper looks at all the games across the league because we'll be getting footage in. Hopefully, every single week we'll be able to review the footage, break down games, have guests on. We're going to add to our bench here on the three-on-one as we head into 2023. In terms of who we speak to on a weekly basis, we're going to have interviews with the newsmakers in the league. We're going to be updating our not-so-powerful power rankings, players of the week, things like that. You're going to see a lot of stuff materialize over the next few months on the pod, but the heart of it, it's still three friends talking shit in the microphones. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe. I already said that part. Be sure to follow us across social media. Said that part too, but the most important part is the merch. Buy t-shirts, tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Get the I Tried shirt. Get the Hus Hus shirt. Get the Thick Boy Season t-shirt and so much more available to you in different sizes and varieties. That is at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Rob, Corey, as always, honor and a pleasure to speak with y'all. Until yeah, next time. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't think we pissed off anybody tonight. No. I might have pissed, pissed off Anthony. Maybe. Ma- I don't ma- maybe a few then? Maybe a few? Maybe. All right. Well, I tried. <laughs> Didn't even get to say the other part. As always. No, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> fucking dick. As always, unlike Corey, don't be an asshole. I'll try. Hush, hush. <laughs> <laughs>